Look at my butt. Show number 210 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Track. Hi, listeners. Listeners. The big news, big news out of the Galaxy Quest world is that Amazon is in the very early stages of developing a Galaxy Quest TV show. Oh, so exciting. And the producer and I believe the writers, or at least a couple of them, from the original Galaxy Quest movie are involved in this. So, like I said, it's very early days. It's not like it's going to be on in the next year, I doubt. But, oh, my God, I'm so excited for this. so good. So I'm looking at the AV Club article, and they say that Paramount has been developing this TV show. And now Amazon hopefully will pick it up. And they are, my impression from this is that they are doing a pilot. Like, that's actually happening. Okay. So okay. it's not that early. Like, they've gone ahead and done some stuff. And, All right. Oh, I really hope they're able to get some of the original crew to come back to do it. You know, it could very much be a, here. here's the old cast, and they're watching, essentially, Next Generation as it's, it's being rebooted. You know, maybe uh-huh. they have small roles in it and how they're going to have to deal with that. I think that could be amazing. Well, this is one of the, the things I want to discuss is what is this show? Is it what you just described, or is it the original crew doing the TV show we saw they got at the end of the movie, or... Is it the original crew having more space adventures or a combination of those things? It could be any of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope, I really, really hope that it's not just a a straight ahead take on them doing it. You know, that it's, it's not essentially Star Trek. Right. Yeah. That's not going to be that interesting. You know, it's, it's. The fun comes from them being the actors who are in the show. Right. So I think they need to have that frame, at least, that they're actors in a show. And, you know, maybe maybe the the fun comes from further contact with actual other aliens in in addition. That could be great. That could be hilarious. Yes. Now, I've done a little thinking because, um, yes, I would adore if some of the original cast came back. Um, Some of them, I'm afraid may have aged out of it. Mm-hmm. And some of them are busy being big fucking moving stars. <laughs> so I was thinking about alternate casting. Mm-hmm. And I have some ideas, and then I have some that I just I can't come up with anybody. So I was thinking for the Tim Allen character, mm-hmm. John Hamm. Mm. Yep, I could see that. He looks like he could have been a starship captain. Yeah, definitely. He can do comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy who again looks the role and we know can do comedy and drama would be Brian Cranston. Yes. Either one of those I think would be really good. Yes. Those would be good choices. Now for, um, the Tony Shalhoub role, Uh who did I come up with? I had a great idea for him. (laughs) Well, I'll have to come back to him. Okay. Um, for Sigourney Weaver, Elizabeth Banks. Uh-huh. Okay. But she's directing movies now and doing a lot of stuff, so I don't know if they could could uh, get her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I could not come up with anybody for Alexander. Yeah, I kind of think they'd have to have Alan Rickman come back to do that. You know, he's so... That he is that character. He yeah. is that guy. And not to have him, I think, would be a real shame. It would be. God, I wish I could remember who I thought of for Tony Shalhoub. And I can't think of anybody for Guy <laughs> or or uh, Tommy Laredo. Yeah. Well, they could have Guy. I mean, um, Sam Rockwell come back. He's not that big a star, right? Well, maybe so. And, you know, so many big stars are doing TV shows now. Yeah, especially when they're more independent, right? When they're not right. just a straight-ahead network show. And um, the actor who played Tommy, I mean, he's in a wheelchair now, so he couldn't yeah. do it. But, I mean, they could have him come back as that guy, you know, again, supervising a younger character. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be awesome if they could at least have the original actors come back in in those roles, even if they're just guest stars once in a while. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, whoever I thought of for Tony Shalhoub, it will probably come back to me later, and I'll I'll yell it out. Mm-hmm. But um, I I am so looking forward to this, hoping they come up with something great. Yeah. Uh, well, if the original creators and and people who were actually involved in bringing it to the screen are involved, I think it's got to be better than average. You know, it might not be as good as the movie, but it won't be a piece of shit. <laughs> well, and, you know, I was thinking earlier, too, you know, you were saying so many people are doing TV now, especially when it's the more independent channels and, and those people putting these things together. The interesting thing is they're all, almost all doing really high-quality drama mm-hmm. or sort of uh, swords and sorcery things. Not a lot in comedy. Yeah. Um, the only two I could come up with that are being successful with it uh, uh, well, there's a few. Um, Silicon Valley, uh-huh. I adore. My favorite comedy right now. Uh, Veep, those are both on HBO. Uh-huh. And um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt uh-huh. is on Netflix. But most of the, the, the ones that are being successful and, and running and, you know, getting a lot of press and a lot of buzz are dramas. So this, you know, this could help balance things out a little, too. Yeah. Um, on Yahoo, there is the, the show that's called Other Space, which is a science fiction comedy. I keep um, meaning to watch it, and I keep forgetting. It's And it's good. It's gotten good reviews. People seem to like it. And it was done, you know, with as much of a budget as they had, which I mm-hmm. gather was not very much. But they had a lot of creative control over that. And it's aimed really at a niche audience, right? It's science right. fiction comedy, which is exactly what the Galaxy Quest series could be. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they'd be the first people to do it. There, there's a precedent for it, and there's certainly enough Galaxy Quest fans out there who would watch it just because it's Galaxy Quest, I think. Yes. Yes, the, the Questerians. <laughs> and maybe there finally really would be a Questerian convention. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, depending on when this pilot comes out, if it's any time within the next 12 months, mm-hmm. there could be something happening at the next Star Trek convention that we go to. That's true. That's true. Or, you know, if they really want to make a big splash announcing it or showing the pilot, they'll do it at Vegas next year, which is Star Trek's 50th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So I would not be surprised if they are aiming for that. Oh, that would be great. Um, so I, I think I mentioned this, <clears throat> excuse me, when we talked about 
Galaxy Quest one of the many times, but at the end of the movie, um, after the spaceship crashes into mm-hmm. the, the thing, there's the guy who's emceeing the convention, and he's Kevin McDonald, who's one of the kids in the hall, and I love the kids in the hall. Yes, yes. So he's on Twitter now, and people have been asking him to tell stories about things that he's done, and so he, he talked a little bit about how that happened and he was a friend of somebody who was involved in it so they asked him to do it totally last minute and they said to him we don't have any script for you you're going to have to ad-lib this so everything he says in the movie is a complete ad-lib oh. which I thought was funny and the fact that he came up with give him a big hand he's, he's British, British. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing and so he, he said on Twitter I hope they ask me back to do another part because I would totally do that oh. like, yay that would be great I know who I thought of for Tony Shahoub who? Justin Long. Yes. Bring him would, back. Bring him back, yeah. That's that's where... They should bring him back anyway, even if it's not in the Tony Shell Hoop role. Like right, maybe, let him be a grown-up, you know, fan nerd. Or maybe he's now the writer for the new series. Oh! Wouldn't that be great? Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Uh, wow. But, well, let's stay on top of this because this has to happen. This, this is huge. This is huge. <laughs> Okay, segueing. Yes. Um, I saw the new Mission Impossible movie. Yes. And I, I wrote a little bit to you about it, but I wanted to share it with our listeners because I had some further thoughts that do relate to Star Trek. But basically, if you've seen any of the Mission Impossible movies, they are fun. They are just out-and-out action, and nobody looks worried better than Simon Pegg. <laughs> He's got that. He's got the award for that. Good furrowed brow. Furrowed yes. Brow oh, yes. Concerning. Yes. Really good. But um, you've probably seen the clip. Everybody was showing it on Entertainment Tonight and all these different things. And in the uh, coming attraction of Tom Cruise hanging on the edge of the plane, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the climax of the movie. That's in the first five minutes. <laughs> So they have to go bigger. Uh-huh, much so, bigger. So when they get to the their biggest action sequence, and there are many, um, for, I'm not even going to bother to try to explain how complex this plot is, but for reasons we will not discuss, he has to jump into a giant swirling vortex of water, hold his breath for three minutes, swim to a particular uh part of this giant thing that the vortex dumps him into to swap out a little disc. There's no other way you can get in there, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one of those movies you'll have a lot of fun if you can turn off your brain. Do not think about it. And unfortunately, the sequence went on a little too long, and so I did think about it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well... Who sets up a system like this? I mean, what if you have a legitimate reason for swapping a disc? Exactly. How do they do maintenance on it? I, exactly. <laughs> and he couldn't use an oxygen tank like scuba gear because it's got a metal detector. I'm going, well, couldn't you, your mission impossible can't you make a hard plastic oxygen tank? Yeah. But it got so ridiculous because, of course, somebody flushed the toilet or something and the, the thing <laughs> got turned back on when it wasn't supposed to be uh-huh. for his purposes and it whooshed him away from the other part and then the girl has to jump in and save him and it goes on and on and I finally went where are the chompers? Really? I was I would be expecting those chompers or flames in yeah. inside the water, flames in the water. Yeah, it's a wall of fire, you know, that they have to swim through. <laughs> oh, it, it just it just 
it, it was such a great Galaxy Quest moment. But up until that moment, up until that particular sequence, yes. I was thinking, okay, this character Tom Cruise plays, Ethan uh, Phelps, mm-hmm. is a better Captain Kirk than the Captain Kirk Chris Pine plays. <laughs> because this guy is a get-it-done Go 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 out and do it. Uh, you know he's got a little ironic sense of humor about the whole thing, like Shatner had. You know mm-hmm. the real Kirk. Um, he's definitely at the forefront of all the action. He's got this team backing him up, and he knows how important they are to him. He relies on them. He does what he knows is right, despite whatever authority wants him to do. And he's not a loser. <laughs> He's not a doofus sort of, you know, stumbling his way through. Uh, And I thought, who's ever writing Mission Impossible movies should be writing Star Trek movies. Now, I will say that comparing that to Chris Pine as Captain Kirk, you know, that's a pretty low bar. I know, (laughs) but they're the ones who chose Chris Pine. This is true. They set that up as the new standard. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is very, very, very low. But I'm just saying there's more essence of Kirk in the Mission Impossible movies, and I've now seen two. (laughs) And there's like 14. Um, Then these goofballs and wow. we're not going to get into new truck again because we both hate it mm-hmm. but i just could not help thinking that because i don't go to that many action movies yeah well that that's a great observation i, I should start thinking about that more when watching those types of movies mm-hmm. you know who who is a better captain kirk than chris pine in the new star trek movies Almost anyone. Almost anyone, but I think it would be a, a, <laughs> the good, <minions. laughs> a good game to play to, yes. to bring it up like you did and talk about why. You know, yeah. not just that you like him more, but why. Why is he a better captain? Yeah, and I'm not saying it would have to be played by Tom Cruise, but I'm saying the person who's writing that character. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they're doing it with a lot of input from Cruise. I have no idea what goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're hitting the the nail better on what an action hero is. <laughs> yeah. And if that's all they want Kirk to be, which they do in the movies, they don't want any of his thoughtfulness right. or, or wisdom or any of the, those things, then they should hire these writers. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. But they won't because they think that they have a good formula now. Well, and it's because, um, who was it, J.J. said, oh, well, you know, I could never relate to Captain Kirk. He mm-hmm. was successful with women and everything. So this is a guy I can relate to. And I thought, well, that's why I don't want to watch him. Yeah. He's just some doofus. That's exactly right. And that's what they think is is working for the new fans. And Mm -hmm. the movie's made a lot of money. So, you know, who's who's to say that that's not a successful formula? Not a good movie, but a successful formula. Yeah. You know, another game we could play if we want (laughs) is what episode is the new movie going to rip off? Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't been paying much attention to... The news reports about what it is? Well, there haven't been, as far as I know, any rumors about what it is. Mm-hmm. But they did come up with a picture of the new alien. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't look like any alien we really saw before. But I'm betting, I'm putting my my uh, latinum on, they're going to rip off Gorn Fight Club. 
this is a good episode to rip off. There's a lot of ways that they could spin that. Yeah. I mean, they it, but, but fight. Uh, it, obviously, Spock will fight the Gorn. Yes, but, <laughs> I mean, Star Trek itself ripped off the Kirk fighting with the Gorn plot line several times during those three seasons. Anyway, so oh, well, you know, yeah, it's really good. Yep. So, um, listeners, if you were not saying you have an episode you want them to do, they could do space hippies. I would have no objection to space hippies or cloud minders. Mm-hmm. But neither one of those, as far as I know, has enough rock'em sock'em for them to be interested. They would find a way to inject it. I That's think. true. Maybe Droxine gets slugged. <laughs> they would have Droxine fighting it out with one of the... Um, what were miners? They, the miners, whatever they were called. They had a name and I can't remember what it is. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so Droxine and one of the other women miners would have a slugfest and their clothing would be artfully ripped yes. so that you could see, you know, their boobs and their butts and everything. Because that's what makes a good movie. It, it is. Um, weren't the, the, the miners called something something like troglodytes? Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, trogs. They called yeah. them trogs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, tell us the update on Ladies of Kirk. Oh, yes. Let me tell you. So, Ladies of Kirk, the Kickstarter that I spoke about last time, um, has finished its thing if the kickstarter's over and she met her goal not only did she meet her goal but she raised she originally was going for i think twenty five hundred dollars she raised eleven thousand dollars now i read something about it. it had gotten some publicity or been talked about on tv show or something i know for and sure that- yeah it did it got a, a couple of boosts um Kickstarter itself has a blog where they occasionally promote things and they'll send out email mm-hmm. and hers got mentioned, which, which gave it a big, um, oh, push. Yeah. so I don't know if it was beyond that. That's the only one that I heard about, but, mm. um, that was so awesome. I mean, I was just really, really happy that she got her money and she's going to do the thing. Um, the other cool thing is that because it went over and above, um, there were stretch goals. That's what people do in Kickstarter. So since right. they got more money, they're going to do it. So um, she said the two stretch goals are all backers who contributed $15 and up will get bookmarks with a drawing of Kirk on one side and Spock on the other, which is okay. very nice. And then um, it will be available as a downloadable coloring book. <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, yes. Oh, my God. So I am very, very excited about the coloring book because I think that's going to be great. I can't wait to get it. Well, yes. Uh, so she is in the middle of trying to get the book printed. So she has to find a good printer and mm-hmm. get the thing done. So I think the probably the books will be arriving before the end of the year. And I'm just so happy. And I mentioned to her, I emailed her to let her know that we had talked about it on the show. And she said, thank you. And then we got mentioned on her Kickstarter blog. Saying <gasps> oh, that we cool. Yeah. And she called us um, a Captain Kirk podcast. And I thought, well, fair enough. That's yes, that's, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> that's great. So, yay. It's awesome. And maybe the book will be available to purchase i think after she's done sending all the kickstarters out it'll probably be on amazon or something but when it is available to the general public i will definitely put up a link for it i think that's great and, and good for you i'm so happy to to back something cool that's about the ladies of kirk yes <laughs> well i i still like my idea of interleaving the the drabble drabbles in the yes. book I think so. Or or maybe in the coloring book, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe we should um, we should do that. I mean, we could um, 
I don't know. We'll have to think about that. I should. I'm going to write to her and tell her about the kissing Captain Kirk things. Oh I yes, think she would absolutely appreciate that. Let me make a note about that. <laughs> okay. Are you done making a note? I'm typing it right now. Okay. 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 We can go on to the next thing. Okay. I want to talk about this this old article that was in some magazine. Uh Holly Wired. <laughs> Holly Wired. <laughs> about apparently just about the first time Bill was ever online. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And um, so they printed, they talked to him and they printed excerpts from uh, from what was said. So they uh, set him up on America Online's Eey, it's so funny. Star Trek Forum. Uh. And um, it said AOL's membership directory already had six people claiming to be William Shatner. But, you know, there was Bill... And so he gets gets on, and this is so funny. I know I'm going to end up reading a lot of it. But it says, there seems to be some question as to who is the real William Shatner. At last count, there were six people pretending. Get out of my way. The seventh is the real one. <laughs> and then uh, some other guys, Alexander A.M. says, I am William Shatner, damn it. And Bill says, Alexander A.M., do you have a mole on your ass? <laughs> And the guy says, no. And Bill says, no. Then you're not the real William Shatner. <laughs> so now we know Bill has a mole on We do. Ass. I know. That was a, a nice little piece of information to find right. out. Right. Something on his glorious butt. Uh-huh. Um, and so somebody asked, Star Trek V, what were you thinking? <laughs> Bill says, blind panic. I was hoping someone knew what they were doing. Um, somebody asked, when's your birthday? Birthday's March 22nd. I hesitate at the year. <laughs> And he says he got his birthday right, and somebody else says anybody could do that. <laughs> so then he talks about tech war and everything, and they asked if he was an infomercial. <laughs> oh, I just I love the fact that um, he he revealed his business acumen by plugging his new CD-ROM game, William Shatner's Tech War. Yes, um, Shatner vowed not to talk about tech war for five minutes, and then inquire if anyone needed a skin peel. So he actually had to make a promise that he wasn't going to shill for five minutes, and I'm going to guess he wasn't able to do that. Probably Probably not. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, he talked about book sequels and his horses Mm -hmm. and what scene was cut from the beginning of Star Trek Generations. Mm -hmm. And then um, somebody asked, what day were those words first spoken on TV, Space Final Frontier? Bill says, a momentous day in September. I never know these things. And somebody (laughs) says, Shatner doesn't talk like that. I met him once. He has an Mm -hmm. ego bigger than Texas. (laughs) And Bill says, I'm sorry to hear that. Actually, I don't know what ego means. It takes a certain amount of chutzpah mm-hmm. to think that writing something on paper uh, will interest you or standing in front of a camera will entertain you. So if that's ego, I have one. Mm-hmm. After 45 minutes, they decided to offer some proof. We emailed a picture of Shatner holding that morning's L.A. Times to the 63 people in the room. And with five within five minutes, the majority surrendered. And all of a sudden, it's really him. I'm sorry, I do believe you, Bill. <laughs> Bill, you are my hero. I love you, Bill. And then somebody says, what a bunch of gullible people. <laughs> you are my God, Bill. <laughs> Holy Toledo, it's really him. And um, 
frequent celebrity imposters have made online users cautious, so much so that Shatner says he had to imitate himself to convince them. I know. That was so interesting. Really. The real Shatner, he says, might have been too laid back or relaxed or something. They needed to hear the pers- the persona I project at times. <laughs> And then um, a 14-year-old said, people believe you are who you say you are, unless you're famous. <laughs> very <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, but I really like that observation. But yes. I, I mean, I have to contradict him by saying the real Shatner might have been too laid back. Really? Really? William Shatner laid back? Well, you I- know, he definitely is on when he's, you know, on stage at cons or whatever. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure in his, you couldn't possibly be that. 100% all the time. Could you? I, I, His idea of relaxed, laid back, is probably different than ours. That's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So when he uses those words, it doesn't mean the same thing as when other people use those words. Yes. Because if he were really laid back, I, I don't think he would do the stuff in his private life that he seems to really enjoy, like having big parties at his house and, you know... Going mountain climbing and scuba diving and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't strike me as a laid back person. Right. But don't you feel that when he's at the parties or having these parties, it isn't all about him? No, that, that's that's true. I, I'm, that's I guess, his idea of, re, of laid back is letting other people <laughs> yeah, say something or, you, you know, be the center. That's I think that that is, is right. You know, from when I think of being laid back, I think maybe of someone who isn't going through life at 120 miles an hour and living their life in superlatives. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... Uh... That was very interesting. So this was from 1995. Oh, okay. I didn't have the it. year. Yes. So 1995. Amazing. And I bet that Bill doesn't even remember doing this. You of know? course not. Like the first time he was on a computer, and I wonder if he asked them a thousand questions about, well, like, how is this working? What's a modem? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the internet was a series of tubes. tubes. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's right. No, no, Bill, they're not tubes. They're ducks. They're ducks. <laughs> always ducks. Always. 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 <laughs> um. Okay, let's talk a little about this thing I watched. Yes. Which is online, and it is a, like a one-hour, a little more than one-hour show, I believe was done for TV, mm-hmm. based on Bill's book, Star Trek Memories. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched 20 minutes or so of it, to be honest. It was, uh, it was filmed shortly after they finished filming uh, the, the Star Trek VI. Mm-hmm. Okay. The un- undiscovered country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill looked really good. Everybody mm-hmm. looked really good. Uh, the, the, all of the original cast, you know, it was separate interviews with each of them all cut together. Mm-hmm. Bill was the host, and DC Fontana was also in it. Oh, cool. But the thing is, if you are a longtime Trekkie, you have absolutely heard all of this before. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. You know, there was nothing. At that time, it probably was, oh, wow, this is great, you know, getting a little inside story from D.C. Fontana about, you know, how they decided what to do for the second pilot and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But, you know, there was nothing new there for me, and I frankly had better things to do on a Sunday afternoon than reprocess <laughs> all of that. So, um, But still, we, we will put the link up if you want to yeah. go see that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's on YouTube, right? Anybody can watch it. Uh, let me see. Yes, it's a YouTube thing. Okay. 
Um, also, I wanted I wanted to talk about something I heard a few weeks ago that I'd never heard before uh-huh. about the original pilot. When NBC said make a second pilot, and we all know the thing about they wanted to get rid of the Vulcan and get rid of the female uh-huh. uh, first officer, we knew that. But I had never heard this before. They wanted Jeffrey Hunter recast with, and I quote, a younger, handsomer actor. Huh? Really? That's. I think Jeffrey Hunter's pretty good looking. Yeah, but if they were going for the young audience, I think they yeah. felt, you know, he was too much close to their dad's age or something. <laughs> but I had never heard that. I wow. had always heard that Hunter's wife, who was his manager at the time, didn't want him to do it. Yeah. Hmm. That is very interesting. I, I guess... Um, what, so, in my opinion, you know, Jeffrey Hunter was a very good-looking guy, but he yes. did lack both charm and hotness. Yes. and I'm He not, was perfect for that very cerebral pilot. Yes, I agree, but not for what Captain Kirk was supposed to be, so mm-hmm. I can see that. Hmm. But here's something I did get from watching the Star Trek Memories thing. <clears throat> Do you know what were the other two episodes, which later became episodes, that they considered to make for the second pilot? Um, I probably did know it and I've forgotten it. So tell me again. Okay. One was Mud's Women. Mm, Yeah. I think I did know that one. Which, Mm -hmm. because it was more of a comedy, they Mm -hmm. didn't want to do for the pilot. And the other, written by the great bird himself, the Omega Glory. Oh my God. Ugh. I'm so glad. That show would have never gotten picked up with Omega Glory. Absolutely never. Never. Oh, wow. They made the right choice in picking Where No Man. Ugh. Good for them. I'm glad that they actually did the right thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we take a little break? Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. We will be back with more exciting, wonderful, Star Trekky, Bill Trekkie things to talk about. Because there's always more stuff to talk about. Always. Always. <laughs> Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. Okay, we are back. We're back. With more Star Trek news. Yes. A new Star Trek game will feature characters from every Star Trek era. This sounds really interesting. This sounds like the most interesting game I've heard of for a while. Right. It's called Star Trek Timelines, and it will allow players to assemble the Star Trek crew of their dreams to resolve galactic conflict however they choose. Mm -hmm. So they get to explore characters, ships, scenarios from original series, next gen, Deep Space, Voyager, and Enterprise, plus the first 10 Star Trek films through Nemesis. Um, The game promises 
hundreds of familiar and iconic characters, including Kirk Worf, all those ones you'd expect. And um, the mechanism for getting together the characters from all of the Trek incarnations will be temporal anomalies, mirror universes, and time travel. I like like the idea of mirror universes. That could be very interesting. Yes. Um, The game won't be all ships and space battles, but also exploration and politics. Let's this sounds see. this sounds really good. Yep. Uh, and now here's a quote from the CEO of the company. The company is called Disruptor Beam. <laughs> the CEO is John Radoff. He says we feel that a combat-oriented game wouldn't really caption the, capture the vision of Star Trek. Instead, we're going to give going to focus on giving you beautiful vistas of outer space, artistic renderings of your favorite characters, and a conflict mechanic where science and diplomacy are just as important as your ability to fire photon tormed, torpedoes. Yes. This means that some aspects of the game will be more abstract than you'd experience in a first-person perspective game. But we think it's the right way to create the big experience for Star Trek. Star Trek timelines will be uh, available on iOS, Android, and the web, and an autumn release is planned. That sounds really, really good. I think so. So, who would be your dream crew? Well, I think there's only one choice for Captain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I gotta say, I would probably want Spock to be the first Mm -hmm. officer, or at least the science officer. Yes. Um, hmm. I think I'd probably want Data in there just because he's a machine. Okay. And, you know, he, he could go places where um, humans or, or humanoids couldn't go. So okay. he'd be, he would be handy. Um, hmm. I definitely want McCoy because he can cure anything. Yeah, I think you'd want him. I would jettison Chekhov and Sulu. Yeah, I think that's right. But who would you replace them with? I'm, I'm just trying to think. Well, I guess Data could fill one of those slots. Right. Isn't Data the uh, navigator on yeah. TNG? Yep. So who would be your helmsman? Hmm. Not Helm boy! No. <laughs> <laughs> Tom I'm, I'm like cycling through this stuff in my head and trying to remember. Well, I didn't watch Enterprise, so I didn't know. The guys from Voyager, I can't remember. I mean, there was Tom Paris, right? I don't even know what he did on Voyager. He was the helm, helmsman. Was he the helmsman? Because that's where the name came from. Q called him oh, helm boy. That's right. Okay. Wow. That's like a convoluted way to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's pick him. He could be the helmsman. Well, is he any good? I guess so. I didn't watch enough Voyager to uh, know if he's any good. I can't think of any other helmsman, though. That's the problem. They didn't have a helmsman on Deep Space Nine because there was no helm. You know, it was a space station. Oh, you know who you could have? Who? Uhura. Oh, that's true. I would she put her She took over in that slot once. That is true. Um, I would definitely want to have Dax from Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. because um, as Gen Zia Dax, you know, she'd had, what, like eight lives or something. So she's right. kind of like the doctor. She keeps regenerating. So there's a lot there in all those lives that she's lived. So I, I think that would be very handy. What is her, her function on the ship? You know, I, is she like a first officer? I, I don't know. Deep Space Nine was totally different because they didn't have the, the same hierarchy because it was a space oh, station. right, right. So, you know, they had the Bajorans and then they had the Federation people and there was a doctor, but that was because they had to have their own sickbay. But I don't remember what the titles mm-hmm. were for everybody else. 
Now, since we're in mirror universes and time mm-hmm. traveling and everything, would you put Gary Mitchell on the show? <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, that's a tough one. Would you have him be the captain of another ship? In a mirror universe, are he and Kirk enemies? Oh, which wow. they ended up being in the regular universe. Yeah. Universe, but that would be very interesting. I mean, I don't know. I kind of can't see him as the captain. It's like too much work for him. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> Not enough time chasing girls. Maybe. <laughs> maybe he runs like uh, the ship store or something. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he does. Oh, I know what he does. What? <laughs> He's in 10 forward all the time. Yes, that He's is like right. the bouncer or something. He is, yeah. <laughs> I agree. He's the host. <laughs> I, oh, he's he's like, um, you know, on cruise ships where they used to have the gigolos to dance with the women. Right. <laughs> he's the ship's gigolo. That's right. That is right. Yes, that is absolutely what he should be. <laughs> I love it. Now, who's going to be the engineer? Is it going to be Scotty? Um, Jordy was an excellent engineer. He really was. And just to make it a little less weighted towards TOS, I'd say Jordy. Okay. Yeah. yeah I could go with that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This could be a really fun game to play. Oh, I know. I like thinking about this. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you'd want to... I, I might even start by making a list of people who I don't want to have just so I could, you know, like yes. them away and never have to look at them as options if there's a way to do that in the game. Like never never show me Christine Chapel because I'm never going to pick her to be in anything ever. Yeah, now I wonder if um, the various villains are going to be choices. The, the enemies and the obstacles or the, the alien species, are they going to, to run into uh, the Tholians again or um, the, the uh, I keep wanting to say Archangel. It's the, the species that ran the Gorn Fight Club. <laughs> um, I can't remember what they're called. I can't either. I but again, wanting- is there going to be a Gorn? Yeah. I hope so. I really hope so. (laughs) Oh, man. This is fun. I'll have to keep thinking about this. Yes. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the um, CNN interview just because it was so very, very funny. Oh, I almost forgot about that. Yes. Yes. By all means. So do you know what this was for? Like, why were they talking to them? Um, Well, somewhere I got the year, and I got the feeling that – it was either the 40th anniversary, 45th anniversary or something, mm-hmm. but they uh, they did mention J.J. Abrams, but the movies hadn't been made yet. He probably yeah. had just been, oh, it's probably that he had just, they had just announced we're going to do these hmm. new movies, and so they said, let's get Bill and Leonard on, and <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And see what they have to say. <laughs> so this is a 10-minute clip, and it's just Bill and Leonard sitting together, and the reporter off camera is asking them questions. And, I mean, honestly, would you not have known that they were going to behave like that? Had you not reviewed <laughs> Mr. Reporter or any other interviews that they'd done? Because they're not going to answer your questions. Well, they're just going to do whatever the hell they want to. But think about the time period it was. Um when was the last time before that that the two of them were actually interviewed together? Now, 
we had seen them and every fans had seen them together at cons. Mm-hmm. So we know how they get. I got a feeling CNN did not know. <laughs> or maybe thought that because it was CNN they were going to behave. Uh, maybe so. You know? Also, this was, um, they, they talk about Bill's upcoming roast. Right. That's right. So it was just before that. Yeah. Oh. Well, in any case, um, just everybody should watch it because it's 10 minutes. And it's basically the reporter asking them questions and then them not answering the questions. And just laughing and, just, and making fun of each other. And, and telling and... funny stories and mocking each other. And mm-hmm. the, the best part is that um, they, they keep asking questions and then they'll go off on some tangent and then Leonard will go, what was your question? And, <laughs> and then it just becomes a running joke, and he keeps saying it over and over again. And you can hear the poor interviewer just kind of going, all right, this is totally out of my control now. <laughs> well, the my- other thing is every time Leonard says, what was the question, <laughs> Bill tells him the question. But it's the question they asked five minutes earlier. It's That's always right. that same question. <laughs> and the way he tells it to him is that he leans over and he's sort of talking in his ear like he's a handler or something. Yes, like, yes. This, this is the question they're asking you about the new fans. <laughs> well, here's the question I have. Something interesting did come out of the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're talking about Bill's roast. Mm-hmm. And they asked Leonard, are you going to be on it? And he said, no, no. Mm-hmm. And Bill said, why is that? And he goes, mm-hmm. well, you know, I told him, Bill, why are you doing this? And um, they, if you saw the roast at the beginning, there is a phone call with Leonard. Yeah, which is hilarious. It is very funny. He's saying, no, I'm not going to do it. But I'm getting the feeling that was a real phone call. Yeah. And that parts of it were not shown on the roast because uh, he says to Bill, and you called me some nasty names. And Bill said, well, yes, I did. And now I'm going, what did he call him for not doing the the roast? You I know? don't know. I know. It's, it's very, very funny. And I liked what Leonard said. He said, you know, I don't want to go and, and see these people saying all kinds of nasty things about him. So I'm going to honor him by not going to the roast. Right, right. And I love that quote. I thought that was really, really good. Yes, yes. And I, I'm pretty sure Bill has said things to the effect of he wished he hadn't done it. Because he said, like halfway through, he realized he was having to sit there and smile and laugh. All these people were horrendous to him. Yeah. And it wasn't even funny. No. No. It wasn't. I'm glad he said that, too. Yeah. If you remember at the end of the roast, when he gets to speak, he said, none of you were funny. <laughs> and I gave you so much, you know, yeah. and it's very true. But that interview, you just really, see, I don't know if they'd been out having drinks beforehand. Of course, <laughs> Leonard doesn't drink anymore. But um, so they were just like high on each other and I'm um, playing this reporter. Oh, it was great. And I love that Bill had his arm around Leonard. Yes. It was, just, it was so cozy. Um, I also really liked that the reporter asked the stupid question, which was, do you think that at some point Paramount's not going to try to do any more with track? You know, they're just going to put it to bed. And the two of them are like, yes, Paramount will say we've made enough money off of this. We never have to think about our stockholders, even though we've made all this money over the years. We're, we're kind of done with that. We just don't need to have a cash cow that's going to bring us in lots of money. Yes, we're we're not going to make money anymore. (laughs) And I love that, you know, they know the business. These guys have been in this business all their lives. Yep. And they know, you know, when push comes to shove, it's about whether or not it will make money. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so they really, really kind of did that. But there was also an interesting part where they were saying, so, you know, with – 
with uh, a new Star Trek coming up, and they both were going, can you do it? Can you capture lightning in a bottle twice? No, you can't. You shouldn't even try. Why even bother? Why even try? And then they go, but J.J. Abrams is a very smart man. Yeah. <laughs> they had to say that. But I, I just – I love that when the reporter starts asking, like the first part of his question is um, – it's, he starts off by saying, it's going to be very difficult. Like, he hasn't even said what the topic is. He just says the words, it's going to be very difficult. And the two of them are like, it's going to be so difficult that it's almost impossible. Don't you think so? I think it's going to be very, very difficult. <laughs> why? Yeah, why bother? Why even try? It's just yep. going to be a difficult thing. <laughs> like, he hasn't even said what the topic is. And the two of them go on for like three minutes. Just, it was hilarious. Um, I also liked when the guy brought up the animated series. Yes. And, and Leonard said, well, yeah, that was real easy because you could, you know, if you were in Seattle, you know, you could literally phone it in, record your thing. And, and Bill said, yeah, and once they sent a crew for me. Mm-hmm. And Leonard goes, they sent a crew? They sent a crew for you? <laughs> Bill goes, yeah, once, but it didn't work out too well. Somebody kept flushing the toilet. <laughs> but this whole little one-upmanship they have and have oh. always had going. It's so very funny. Yeah. So, yes, everybody should go watch that. Yes. Yes. So, our next topic of conversation is Star Trek Renegades. Now, this is something that we've talked about on the show before because we had seen it listed in IMDb as a possible new Star Trek series, mm-hmm. which just seemed to be like, what? A new Star Trek series? I don't know anything about this. So, um, it turns out that it was a fan-made thing, um, a movie which is being presented as a pilot that they're trying to sell to different networks. So originally they said they were trying to sell it to CBS, and now they're saying that they're going to do a web-based series, and I don't know who's funding it because the pilot was funded partly as Kickstarter but partly as um, something that other people have put some money into. So uh, web series, does that mean Yahoo? Does that mean Amazon? I don't know. I don't know why they're thinking about doing it. So I will read you the description of it, and then uh, I took extensive notes as I was watching it. Okay, here's the plot. Ten years after the Starship Voyager's return from the Delta Quadrant, the Federation is in crisis. The Federation's main suppliers of dilithium crystals are disappearing. Space and time have folded around several planets, isolating them from outside contact. The phenomenon is unnatural. Someone or something is causing it to happen. The need to stop this necessitates drastic measures, some of which are outside the Federation's normal jurisdiction. For this, Admiral Chekhov, head of Starfleet Intelligence, turns to Commander Tuvok, Voyager's former security officer and current head of the newly reorganized Section 31, Starfleet's autonomous intelligence and defense organization. Tuvok must put together a new covert renegade crew, mostly outcasts and rogues and even criminals. (gasps) This new crew is tasked with finding out what is causing the folding of time and space and stopping it at all costs. But will they be able to put aside their differences and stop trying to kill one another in time to accomplish their mission? Will they? Well, spoiler, they do. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So now no one has to watch it. Okay. Um, So I watched it last night, and... um, it has some good things and it has some bad things. And I, I don't want to downplay the good things, but the bad things are pretty bad. Oh. So here are the good things. Good things are that um, the special effects look really good. They did a pretty good job with things like props and sets and 
just generally making it look like Star Trek. It kind of looks like Star Trek. I think when we were watching um, the one with uh, Elvis as Captain Kirk. James Colley. Yeah, yes. him. You know, the sets and everything didn't quite look right. Mm-hmm. They looked a little bit cheesy, and I think that they've overcome a lot of that. So that was good. It really felt like it. And all the space effects look great because, of course, it's, you know, CGI stuff. So it's going to look good. So that was interesting. Um they had a number of characters who were, I thought, fairly interesting characters. Um, you know, there's Walter Koenig being Admiral Chekhov without hair, I might add. Okay. Which was interesting, so that was good. And, you know, Tim Russ, who also directed it, by the way, as oh. Tuvok. So he had a small part, but he did the direction. And uh, they had, like, the, so this is the good and the bad part. The cast was half real actors and half not real actors. So the people who were real actors were fine. And they gave perfectly good performances. And um, Sean Young is in it. I mean, she's like a oh, real yeah. actual. And it was really nice to see a woman who was older, not dressed in like skin tight revealing clothing, just being there. And nobody's commenting on the fact that she's a woman and she's older. And mm-hmm. that was like, cool. I like that a lot. Um, and the rest of the cast was also pretty diverse. So it wasn't all white people, which was also nice to see. The people who aren't actors, though, are terrible. Oh. I mean, they're just really not good. And if it had... So for me, it was really hard because if it had been all professional actors, I don't think I would have noticed the acting. If it had been all non-professional actors, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be talking about it because they're not actors. But when you mix real actors with with non-actors, it's bumpy. It is really, really bumpy. And it makes the non-actors look that much worse by comparison. And I felt really bad for them because they're not actors. And, and Tim Russ was not getting performances out of them. I mean, they weren't they weren't acting, you know? Yeah. I don't know how to – you could probably say it better than I do because you have, like, acting lingo and stuff. But you know. <laughs> No, not, not, not acting is pretty much <laughs> – ties it up <laughs> uh, you know I, I don't know i don't even know what to say and it wasn't that they were stumbling over their lines or anything it was just ah it wasn't good mm-hmm. um, and it was really <laughs> some of the non-actors were in really crucial roles okay oh. so that made it worse so um for one thing grant imahara who is from mythbusters yes now, now not a mythbuster anymore he had a role it was small but it was really important and he was really bad um, one of the cast of Renegades and Outlaws was a guy who was supposed to be a rehabilitated Borg, and he was awful. I mean, <sighs> he was just the worst. I don't know if he's an actor or what, but he was oh, terrible. And then a, a woman who is supposed to be Chekhov's great-great-granddaughter, who is starting as a cadet at the Academy, was is the daughter of like one of the writers. And I get wanting to put your daughter into the thing that you're writing, and she mm-hmm. was terrible. And she had a really important role in this thing, and she was awful, and I felt so bad for her. Like, uh, don't don't do that to your daughter. Like, yeah, don't let her embarrass herself in front of people. I don't know. It made me feel really icky watching that. Yeah. So how long was this? Oh, it's an hour and some. I think it's like Ooh. an hour and twenty minutes. Oh, um, yeah. It's ninety minutes. It's just about ninety minutes long. So uh, let me let me go through the the plot again. Um, so there are some bad guys who are uh, preventing the Federation from getting hold of dilithium crystals, and Chekhov has to find out who's doing it. But because 
the main suspects are a race that the Federation is in treaty negotiations with. He can't mm-hmm. do it above board, so he has to hire the aforementioned team of rogues and outcasts to to find out what's going on and take care of it, mm. like gorillas. Okay. And um, so they do. And then everything gets resolved and everything is fine at the end, but they spend like the last 10 minutes of it setting it up for the rest of the the series, right? It's mm. like, you know, but we've solved this one, but I'm going to need you team to keep following up because this isn't the end of the story. And you're like, oh, yeah, I see where this is going. Yeah. So the, the cast of Misfits and Rogues and Outcasts are um, Sean Young, who plays a doctor. Um, there's a Bajoran guy. There's the guy who used to be a Borg. There's a Cardassian guy. There's a, 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 um, a Betazoid woman. And there's a other alien dude with a helmet that doesn't come off, and I don't know what species he was meant to be. <laughs> and Because they might have said it, and I missed it, but it's, okay. it's important. And then there's a guy um, who is the engineer, who is played by Edward Furlong, who was the kid in Terminator 2. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's like a real actor. He was good. He was Uh very good because he's an actor and he knows how to act. Um, So he was like the engineering dude. And then there's the captain of this little ship who's played by a woman that I can't remember her name, Adrienne Wilkinson. Here it is. And she is, get ready for it, the daughter of Khan. Oh, my God. Or maybe his granddaughter. I think she was meant to be his daughter. She looks like she's about 30. So, I don't know. This is not explained. Like, who her mother is or anything like that. Yeah. Part of her motivation is that she wants to find her mother who she got separated from at a very early age. And so that's like her own personal quest is finding out what happened to her mother. Like, why? Why did they have to do that? It's so ridiculous. If you're going by canon, there is no time that that could have happened. Yeah, unless she was born on Earth when he was the all-powerful and was put in a, a separate sleeper ship that nobody found till now. Right, and none of that is, like, even delved into. So right, that whole right. thing is just, like, insane. I couldn't get my head around that at all. Um, so she's fine, though. I mean, as a character, I liked her, and she was good, and she got into a fist fight with a big, ugly alien, and she won, and that was cool, and... I liked her. I thought it was nice that they put a woman as the main character mm-hmm. and they didn't make her all sexy and, and like using her feminine wiles on the enemies. That was great. So mm-hmm. bravo to them for doing that. I approve. On the other hand, the woman who was the Betazoid, her main distinguishing characteristic was having big boobs and, and having a shirt with a zipper that was pretty much past the midpoint of her boobs. So every time she moved... Your attention was solely focused on watching her breasts move. Oh, God. Which was awful. Um, And then in um, Chekhov's little intelligence network, there's a woman who's an Andorian who was wearing a a leather corset bustier kind of thing with her boobs really spilling out all over the place. I was like, really? Did you have to do that? Yeah. Yeah, they had to. And that just was like icky it was very icky for me yeah yeah um, yeah i know so i was like oh they couldn't do that they didn't have to do it um okay so here are some other bad things and and i i was saying afterwards this is very much sort of the the writer's 
the, the writer's first effort type of mistakes, right? So okay. when someone writes a first movie or a first novel, you know how you want to throw in everything? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't pare it down because there's too much good stuff and every single thing has to be in this first thing. Right. That's exactly what is wrong with this particular movie. Oh, dear. So... There's a conflict with the aliens. There's an intelligence thing going on with Starfleet. There's the backstories of each and every one of the outcasts and rogues that we get to find out, which is like, dude, do you have to tell us everything about each one of them right now? Yeah. Save it for later because it just uses up time and you don't care. (laughs) Um, And there's space battles in which you can't tell what is happening. Every single time there was a ship that was firing on other ships, I was like... I don't understand who's what, whose ship is what. Please let me, tell me what is happening. I can't understand it. So all the space battles were completely devoid of tension because I didn't know what was going on. Oh, God. And I will say that is something I think Star Trek always did extremely well, both in the original series and in TNG and then in subsequent series. When there was a space battle, you always knew what was going on. Yeah. You knew who the good guys were. You knew who the bad guys were. You knew what the good guys and the bad guys were trying to do mm-hmm. with their maneuvering. I mean, think about Star Trek Two, right? When, when they're having the confrontation between the Enterprise and the other ship, you always know what's happening. Yep. That is so important in space battles. And th- they just, they totally fucked it up in this they really did there's no other way to put it kindly it's fucked Mm -hmm. yeah and so that was really disappointing um there were you know there's a lot of in jokes throughout it which is like whatever um there's one part where they say that Chekhov's great great granddaughter the one that's played by the daughter of the writer Mm -hmm. is the youngest cadet to enter Starfleet Academy so what is she 12 I don't know, but, like, way to stick it to Kirk, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that, like, a direct insult to Captain Kirk right there? I think it was. Um, let's see. I'm looking through my notes here. Uh, there's a part where uh, the Andorian woman with the big boobs, Chekhov says to her, I need your hacking skills. And I was like, really? They're calling him hacking skills mm. in the 24th century. I don't think so. That's what she majored in at Starfleet Academy. Yeah. Um, Hackometry. Hacking, hacking skills. Hacking skills. Oh, God. No, it's not hacking skills. Um, and uh, the I was watching this with someone, and he commented to me that um, the first five minutes of it basically looks like the cutscenes from uh, a video game. Oh. Where, you know, it, it's just like there's flames and there's miners and there's aliens and people with guns, and you're like, what is happening? Oh, I God. Can't tell what's happening. So. Uh, you know, I, I I totally give them the credit for, for doing it and for doing it on a big scale and for giving 110%, but I really, really think they could have used an editor mm-hmm. and a director who knew more about how to construct something like this. Yes. Because I just don't think Tim Russ had a handle on what was going on. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely felt like there were too many cooks trying to as I said, jam in every single thing that they wanted to get in there in this one thing and they couldn't pull back to make it more cohesive and mm-hmm. also clearer to the viewer. Just 
make it clear what's going on. Find a straight narrative and stick with it for something like this. Yes. Because all of the aliens and the spaceships and the everything, it's just clutter. It's cluttering up the screen. It's cluttering the narrative. And then you stop caring. Like, uh, here, spoiler, so the Bajoran dude, who's part of the cast of um, Misfits and Outcasts, has a real problem with the Cardassian guy who's brought in kind of later. And, of course, you have to know about what happened between Bajor and the Cardassians to even understand because right. they don't mention it. So that's a thing. And then halfway through, he dies. So you're like, oh, okay, he's not a character anymore. So all that time you put into introducing us to him and mm-hmm. building his character just went straight out the window because mm-hmm. he got killed and he's never coming back. You know, one of the, the pluses that um, TV critics are giving to Game of Thrones, those that are familiar with the novels, is what a good job they did of paring that down to a filmable thing. Mm -hmm. That there are whole plot lines, histories, characters that are not in the show. And if you haven't read the books, which I haven't, you're never going to know about them. (laughs) Because they could not have made a show out of it otherwise. They needed to do that with this. Yeah. They really, really needed to do that with this. And I, uh, there's so much potential. So who knows? Maybe if it's get if it gets picked up as a web series, they'll have to bring in some people who have more experience and who know how to do what needs to be done, and it'll mm-hmm. be better. I really, really hope they do that um, because I could see this being really interesting and kind of fun. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't all grim dark. There were fun things. There were some jokes. Um, and people who made it clearly love Star Trek, and they clearly love these characters, and that was good. I, mm-hmm. I appreciated all of that, but, oh, just so many missed opportunities that they, they had for this. And, I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm coming around to an opinion that fan films are one thing if you make them just for yourself. But if you're making something that you're trying to sell to a wider audience, mm-hmm. you cannot use volunteers and people's kids as part of the main cast. Yep. You just can't do it. It's unprofessional. And as much as you you want to do it because it's personal to you and you want to pay them back and maybe they made the biggest Kickstarter contribution, it totally bogs your project down. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's not going to help it get picked up when you have people in there who just can't act. Yeah, and you can't expect a real production company, one that does this on a regular basis, to sit through all that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not how you make stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and one other thing, I, I kind of was thinking about this after the fact that bothered me, and I wondered if it would bother other people, is that um, the costumes were good, generally. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, the makeup was amazing, by the way. I thought they got good. all the alien makeup done really, really well, and the props looked pretty good. But the costumes on a lot of the people were a little off. Hmm. And I think it's because when we're watching a show like Star Trek or Game of Thrones or whatever, and people have these, you know, really nice uniforms or costumes, they're fitted perfectly, right? Because there's somebody standing off camera whose job it is to make sure it looks perfect when they go on camera. So there's right. no there's no wrinkles, and it doesn't pull, and it just doesn't look like it doesn't quite fit. And that was a, a thing on here. Like, for a lot of those people, the uniforms didn't quite fit. 
Well, you know what else? And I just learned this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a costume person would, would know this, but I was just reading the article in Time Magazine on Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. And it was about, you know, this setting up of a new show and all the details and everything. And then just like as a little parentheses thing, they put... Um, don't use velvet for the guest chair. It doesn't pop on television. Mm-hmm. So like a real costumer who's who's worked in TV, not just on stage, is going to know certain materials are going to work and certain materials are not going to work. And so in addition to the fitting, it's got to be the right fabrics. Yeah, I, I think that was part of it too is that they weren't using exactly the right fabrics. And it, mm-hmm. it just it didn't look – I mean it looked too real. Mm-hmm. And and for me, that totally takes me out of this is Star Trek and this is the 24th century. Yeah. Because you're not used to seeing Starfleet uniforms that don't look perfect. Right. That, that don't look amazing because they're Starfleet uniforms. Mm-hmm. Once they start to look like real life, then it's not Star Trek anymore. Right. So anyway, for me, that was just a big stumbling block because then I was noticing it in every scene. I was like, oh, look at the puckering. Look at those wrinkles. Yes. Look yes. at the sleeves. They're too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I don't know. Very, very picky. But for me, it, it was not a good thing. Yeah. Anything like that that pulls the audience's attention away from where it's supposed to be is a problem. And that's why you have experts in these various fields of mm-hmm. of props and set decoration and costumes and lighting. You know, you don't just shine a bright light on somebody and, and film it. Yeah. So, um just to wrap it up, I don't want to keep ranting about this. Mm-hmm. And I encourage people to go and watch it. You can go to the website for Star Trek Renegades, and I think you can see some of it there. You can buy it. Um, you can actually buy a physical copy as a DVD. Um, and, of course, uh, there are ways to download it illegally, and you all know what they are, so I'm not going to talk about those. <laughs> um, and so the Wikipedia page says that all of the real actors who were involved in this said they would come back if it got picked up as a series. So that's good. So, um, you know, Walter Koenig would be in it and Sean Young would be in it and Edward Furlong would be in it. All those people would come back. Oh, Robert Picardo was in it too. And he he was good because he's Robert Picardo. Right. Um, So that would all be really nice. And, you know, I hope they get it. I hope they get picked up and I hope that they get some professional help and make it really, really good. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, speaking of fan films, though, yes, just one little thing. All I saw was a picture. But in some currently filming, taping, fan series, web, <laughs> whatever, guess who has a role? What? Who? Sarai. <gasps> oh, my God. That's amazing. Yay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. I thought, good for you. Yeah. Oh, she deserves to be a superstar because she is just amazing. Yes. I love her so much. I do too. Yep. Cool. Well, I think that's all I had to talk about. I've talked too much at this point. No, you've (laughs) talked just enough. Um, And I thank you, and I know the listeners thank you for watching that so we don't have to, but also (laughs) telling us what the good things were. And, you know, it's just always nice to know there's always things going on in the Star Trek universe, not just good but some questionable and some just bizarre like most of what you find on etsy (laughs) and that's part of our job too this is true um so if anybody else has actually seen it uh i would love to know what you think about it because i couldn't find a lot online because it it really came out quite recently Mm -hmm. on on, uh, the dvd so i haven't read a lot of uh reviews or people talking about it so i'd love to know what other people think if they've seen it yes that would be great yeah 
Okay, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. I think so. Uh, So please, everybody keep sending us the email, the pictures. Look at our stuff on Facebook because there's always stuff happening. Right, and let us know about your casting and plot ideas for the new Galaxy Quest. Yes, we would love to know that. Yes. Um, that that will be good. And also, don't forget to sign up for the Star Trek class. Um, yes, yes, that's starting in starting, less than a month? Yeah, it's or starting, in a month? I, I believe September 21st is right. the first class for it. I and signed up too. Yeah, so it'll be so much fun. We can all be study buddies together. It'll be oh, great. Oh, good. We'll have our own cool study group. <laughs> we will. We absolutely will. And you know what? Maybe if there's a Kobayashi Maru, we can figure out a way to beat it. Oh, uh, remind me on our next show. I have a Kobayashi Maru topic for us. <gasps> oh, okay. Okay, uh, I'll start, I'll start the that. new list as soon as we get done here. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, that's something to look forward to in the next Yes, because we love that. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We love you. We love you so much. And we will be back very soon with another roundup of Trek stuff and especially looking more at Captain Kirk's butt. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So live long and potluck or prosper or whatever it is that keeps you living long. That's right. Okay. Bye. Uh, bye Bye-bye.